Thank you for tuning into sermons from Liberty Baptist Church in Newport Beach, California. Our goal is to help you know God more and take the next step in your spiritual journey, no matter where you're at. If you have questions about God or about Liberty, you can connect with us at libertybaptistchurch.org. We pray that the Lord will use this message to be a help and encouragement in your life. If you have your Bibles this evening, turn to Acts in chapter number 28. And if you don't have a copy of God's Word, there should be one in the pew rack in front of you. And we turn to the book of Acts for the last time in this two and a half year journey. Message number 84, moving verse by verse through the book of Acts. We started uh, back in 2019, I guess. Is that what it, when it would have been? Maybe 2018. I'd have to figure out what that is. 2019, 2021. Uh, it was a long time ago. We started in Acts chapter number one, verse number one. And we've walked through every verse of this book, 28 chapters together. Uh, for the most part, up until about a month ago, it was on Sunday mornings only. And uh, in, in trying to get through the book, finish it before our Christmas series begins in December, uh, I, uh, I, we started doing it on Sunday night for the last month or so. And tonight is our final message in this series. I'm excited about a couple of new, new series that we'll be jumping into in 2022 and uh, several different things that we'll be studying and, and taking a look at on Sunday mornings and Sunday evenings. As we prepare for this last message, I want you to think about, let's say you were, you were a fan of, you had watched a highly acclaimed action series, maybe on Netflix or on television. And that series comes to the final season, the season finale of a decade-long run on television. It had been the number one series in the history of television. And in this series, the plot has taken incredible twists and turns. Every scene of the series kept you on the edge of your seat. It contained drama. It contained suspense, incredible intrigue, an amazing message. The finale had been promoted and advertised for months. Don't miss this final episode. You were invested in the plot line. The characters couldn't wait to see the exciting conclusion. As you had followed the story for years, you had been on the edge of your seat as the story had included prison escapes, murder plots, shipwrecks, near-death experiences, deep friendship and relationship, and deep and hurtful betrayals. Miraculous acts, people being healed, lives being forever changed for good, bad guys trying to overthrow the good guys, intercontinental travel, middle-of-the-night escapes from trained assassins, corrupt politicians at the highest levels, and powerful people turning from evil to become what we would call the, the good guys or the heroes. This story had it all. And at the end of this story, moving into the final episode, the main character is stuck in jail unjustly. And so you wonder, as you prepare to watch that last episode, how are they going to end this incredible story? What's the conclusion going to look like? I can't wait to see what happens to the hero of the story. How does he overcome the bad guys? How does good prevail over evil? How? Will he get out of jail? Because we know he has to get out of jail, right? They can't end with the, the hero, the good guy in jail. What happens then? Will he ride off into the sunset or will he go out in a blaze of glory? What plot twist will there be for the season finale, the series finale? So you clear your calendar. You set your DVR to record the show. 
You post on social media about your plans to watch the most amazing conclusion to the most amazing story that you've ever watched. You tell friends maybe, don't bother me during whatever time that is. You ask your friends and coworkers if they're planning to watch it. You even go back and maybe watch a few of the old episodes just to refresh your mind on the story. You turn off your cell phones so you won't be bothered. You put the kids to bed for the exact same reason. Get your popcorn. Sit down. You can't wait. How will it end? You know it's going to be good. Are you ready to hear the end of the most amazing story? Well, let's read it together. I want you to see it. Get ready for a crazy prison overthrow. Bad guys dying. Good guys triumphing. This finale is going to be amazing. Let's read the last two verses of Acts chapter number 28, verses 30 and 31. Let's read them aloud together, shall we? Acts 28, verses 30 and 31. Ready? begin. And Paul dwelt two whole years in his own hired house, and received all that came in unto him, preaching the kingdom of God, and teaching those things which concern the Lord Jesus Christ with all confidence, no man forbidding him. What? That's how it's going to end? After all the excitement of 28 chapters, good guys and bad guys, persecution, murder, uh, martyrdom, trained assassins trying to kill him, middle of the night escapes, all of this, it's going to end with him sitting as a prisoner for two more years in the house and just talking to people about Jesus. That's how you're going to end the story? Does Paul get out of jail? If so, how does it happen? I want to hear the story. We know another time where he got out of jail, and it was because of an earthquake, and they prayed. Remember that? That was, that was a lot more exciting than those two verses. Is he lauded and praised in Rome and Jerusalem? Are his enemies thwarted? Does he die? How? When? What happens to his comrades? How does the story end? You cannot conclude a story like this, like that, with no real conclusion. What is this? I think you understand the parallel and the way I described that television series is the story of Acts. All of that intrigue and all of that suspense and all of that drama and all of those plot twists and betrayals and friendships and victories and defeats and evil, versus good versus evil, corruption and triumph. And this is how it ends. And Paul dwelt two whole years in his own hired house and received all that came in unto him, preaching the kingdom of God and teaching those things which concern the Lord Jesus Christ with all confidence, no man forbidding him. Paul couldn't even leave the room. This man that traveled the world preaching Jesus, the story ends with him just sitting there with a prison guard chained to him for two years, and that's where it stops. How could it be? I don't know all the reasons why, under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost, Luke closes the book like this. But as I read it and studied it in recent weeks, a thought hit me that I want to share with you tonight as our conclusion. You see, the book of Acts is the history of the early church. You've heard me talk about this for the last two and a half years. It's the 30 years 
of early church history following the ascension of Christ back into heaven. After Jesus died on the cross, was buried, and rose again, it is the, it is the, the, uh, uh, the story of those disciples and how God worked. We call it the, the, our Bibles say it's the Acts of the Apostles. It's really the Acts of the Holy Ghost through the followers, through the apostles. It's what God did uh, through His people after His Son went back into heaven. It's the story of how God used his followers once Jesus went back to heaven. And if we're not careful, we as humans start to put the focus on who we see as the heroes of the story, the intriguing characters. Paul is amazing, isn't he? Peter preaching Pentecost, amazing, isn't it? Peter and James and John healing people, the man walking and leaping and praising God, Stephen giving his life as a martyr, Paul and Barnabas planting churches and then having conflict with each other and splitting up and going out on their own to continue to plant churches, Felix and Festus and Agrippa wickedly dealing with Paul unjustly. We focus on the characters and the plot line and the stories, and if we're not careful, we lose sight of what the story is really about. I want you to hold your hand here and turn with me back where we began, Acts in chapter number one. What is this story of Acts really all about? Acts in chapter number one, beginning in verse number six. Acts in chapter number one, the beginning of this, right before Christ ascends back into heaven. Acts in chapter number one, verse number six, the Bible says where we started two and a half years ago, when they, therefore, the the disciples were come together, they asked of him saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? Okay, are you going to, are you going to make us important? Are we going to be rulers now? We followed you for these three years. Are you going to fix everything here on earth? And and what are your plans for us? And how's it going to work? And what positions are we going to have? God, is it time now? We, We watched you die and then you rose again, and you're about to go back to heaven. Is it time now? And look at what Jesus said. They were focused on the wrong thing in the story. He said unto them, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons, which the Father hath put in his power. Verse number eight, would you read it aloud with me? Ready, begin. But ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. What did Jesus say the story is all about? What is your commission, disciples? What is this all about? He said, it's not about your power, disciples. It's about mine. It's not about your plan, disciples, the kingdom here in Israel. It's about my plan. It's not about your position. It's not your message. The book starts here in Acts in chapter number one. The book starts with the message that it's all about the gospel. Ye shall be witnesses unto me. You should be going and telling people what I did. I died, I buried, and I rose again. You shall be witnesses unto me. It starts about with the gospel. It's all about Jesus. And now turn back where we just finished and look again at verse number 31. Preaching the kingdom of God and teaching those things which concern who? The Lord Jesus Christ with all confidence no man forbidding him. It starts with Jesus, and it ends with Jesus. It's not about Paul, and it never was. 
It's not about Peter. It's, it's not about Barnabas or, or James or John or Felix or Festus or Agrippa. It's not about Caesar, Augustus, or Nero. It's, it's not about the disciples. It's not about what happened to them or how their story ended. It's all about the gospel. And, and I don't know all the reasons, but as I studied it, a thought that came to me is why would God, under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost, lead Luke to end Acts this way? Why would it end this way? What can we learn from this conclusion? And the final message in this book as we conclude our study, here is my suggestion. I think it's a reminder for we as the followers, as this is the story, the history of the early church, and we are still a part of church history. I think it's a reminder. It's not about us. It never was. It's not about us. Oh, God uses us, but it's not about us. We're not the heroes. We're not the action, uh, the action stars. That's, it's not us, church. This whole thing isn't about us. It's not about our gifts or our stories or our accomplishments. It's all about Him. I'll fix my eyes on Jesus. We lose sight of that sometimes, don't we? We start thinking that a healthy church is a credit to a dynamic pastor. We start looking at the human instruments that God uses instead of the God who uses human instruments. We become enamored by our favorite preacher on TV or the radio. We get starstruck by a mightily used Christian author. We make God's work about us, but it's not about us. How does the story of the early church and the ministry of Paul end? It ends with him preaching the kingdom of God and teaching those things which concern the Lord Jesus Christ. It couldn't have been any less spectacular. It couldn't have been any less exciting. It couldn't have been any less glamorous. He's a prisoner in chains, in bonds. With a, with a prison guard chained to him, sitting there for two years, and all he's doing is sitting there, and you know what it's about? It's not about Paul's legacy. It's not about Paul's power. It's not about Paul's track record. It's about Paul's Savior, preaching the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul was used to write more books of the Bible than anyone else. How does he die? The Bible doesn't tell us, does it? Now, church tradition tells us some things, and you can, you can study history, and there are, there are some things we believe, but in the inspired canon of Scripture, how does Paul die? We have no idea. When does Paul die? We don't know exactly, if, if just based on scriptural accounts. The Bible doesn't tell us. How does Paul's story end? If you look at Scripture, we don't know. Why? Is it because God doesn't care how his story ends? No, I believe it's because it's not about us. It's all about him. And I want to give us a few reminders in this final message on the book of Acts as we finish up uh, this book about God's work through his people. Number one, uh, from this, this ending, I want you to see number one, God uses us in his work, but his work is not about us. God does use human instruments, and aren't you glad for that? God does use us. Paul said, I, I thank God that he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. I'm glad that God uses broken vessels and imperfect people. By the way, that's all that God has to work with is broken vessels and imperfect people. And I'm glad that God uses us. But church, may we remember, and it's so easy to lose track of this sometimes, and we start, we're, we're good at making everything about us. At work, we make things about us. At home, we make things about us. At church, we make things about us. God, yes, he 
uses us in his work, but his work is not about us. And it's so easy to lose sight of this. We overestimate our importance. But like John the Baptist, may we realize that it's not about me. I'm just a voice crying in the wilderness saying, prepare ye the way of the Lord. And may we, like Paul, like John the Baptist say, he must increase, but I must decrease. It's not about me. Hey, Paul. Hey, Paul. You are used, humanly speaking, in ways unlike any other Christian to ever walk the face of the earth. Who should be the focus and who should have the priority in the church? I think Paul would say, oh, uh, you know what? I wrote about that in my letter to the church at Colossae. Uh, There's a verse there where I told them, and he is the head of the body, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence, Colossians 1.18. I think Paul would tell us it's not about us. He is the head of the body, that in all things he might have the preeminence. Paul, should we make a study of the pastor or a study of our favorite engaging Christian leader? Should we make our focus church growth and find out how other churches are doing things and make that our priority? I'm not against getting ideas from other places, but is that what our, what should be the focus and of our study and learning as the church of the living God? Well, well, I, I told, as I told the church at Corinth, let me tell you this, for I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Oh, it's not about you, and it's not about me, and it's not about us, and look at what we've built, and look at what we've done, and look at how amazing we are. Oh, no, it's all about Him. It's not about His servants. It's about the Master. I do thank God that He counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry, but it's not about my faithfulness. It's about His. It's not about my wisdom, it's about His. It's not about my talents or gifts, it's about Him. It's not about us. How does this exciting story conclude? We're just telling people of Jesus. I think that it's supposed to kind of be, so keep doing the same thing. Wherever God puts you, find yourself in a prison cell, you find yourself in difficult circumstances, you find, wherever you find yourself, just keep being witnesses of me in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. And stop making it all about you and and your testimony and your mentor and what you learned and, and, and start making it about Jesus. Number two, what do I see from this passage? God wants us to share his message, not our message. See it in verse 31, preaching the kingdom of God and teaching those things which concern the Lord Jesus Christ. Often churches start out preaching the gospel, and then they they transition into issues, and they transition into man-made philosophies, and they transition into pet peeves, and they they transition into their political leanings, and they transition into their soapbox soapbox issues, and they, they transition into traditions and preferences, and they transition into these things, and how did Paul go out? Paul went out preaching the kingdom of God and teaching those things which concern the Lord Jesus Christ. Church, may, may we as God's people and may we as a church not get bogged down in the mire of culture, of politics, of denominational infighting, or of petty conflicts. May this pulpit not be focused solely on the current events of our day at the expense of the eternal truths of the gospel. Now, the Bible speaks to current events of our day, and there are times where where we will preach very clearly on the current events of our day, but the goal in the church is is not for us to gather together and, and to preach those things that are the burr under our saddle. The goal is to preach the kingdom of God and teach those things which concern the Lord Jesus Christ. We make our ministries about our ideas, our traditions, our agendas, our pet issues, our personalities, 
And you know what I see at the end of Acts chapter 28? It's not about us. It's not about our history or our heroes. It's not about the college I went to or the books I've read. And I thank God for godly mentors and godly influences. I was text messaging, I was texting with Pastor Tomlinson this morning, and I told him how much I appreciate his influence in my life. And I I texted my father-in-law a week or uh, in the last week or so, and I thanked him for his investment. I'm thankful for mentors and those that invest in our lives, but it's not about us. Our lives should all be used to point to Jesus. It's all about his message. Ye shall be witnesses of me, not of each other, not of your dad or granddad. We should give honor, yes, to whom honor is due. We should love and thank God for those who have been used of God to lead us to God. But may we never make gods of the people or the principles that led us to this place. May we make much of the almighty potentate that is in and over all. And then lastly, what do I see here? God gives us power, but the power is not ours. God gives us, ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. It's not your power. It's mine. And here's the problem. Here's the problem. Here's what we do. If we achieve any measure of measurable success in anything, we, the human condition, we have a tendency to take that credit for ourselves. Look at the business I've built. Look at the the education I've received. Look at the degrees I've earned. Look at the career I've built. Look at the portfolio I've amassed. Look at the church I've built. Look Look at the accomplishments I've had as a pastor. Look at who knows me and look at where I've got to preach and, and look at what happened there. And look at, and we have, we, as humans, when we have a measure of success in any area, we experience a measure of God's blessing and attain a measure of competence in an area of ministry. We begin, if we're not careful, to believe our own press. Look at who I am and look at what conferences I've preached in, and look in what countries I've traveled to, look at the important people that I know, and what comes in these instances is pride, and what comes with pride is destruction. When we make it about ourselves, when a, when a church, church members make it about themselves, all of a sudden when they don't get what they want, all of a sudden we have discord and we have infighting and we have struggles and we have, we have uh, personality conflicts and we have, we have uh, 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 politics within the church. When a pastor makes it about himself, very often then you have spiritual abuse and you have a pastor that is lording over the flock of God. Why? Because he is, it's, and, and I'm not criticizing any other church, but, but our, our staff knows, and I don't like this, we don't call our wife, my wife was, has a birthday or something, I don't call her the first lady of the church. She's not the first lady. I'm not the president. I'm not, she's not some, we're not some heroes. We're to be servants of the church of God. And I, I do believe the Bible talks about double honor and honor to whom honor is due, but we're not on some pedestal that when we walk in, everybody stops and sings, hail to the chief. No, it's not about us. It's not our power. If God uses you and if God uses me to do anything for his glory, it all goes back to him. It's God in every area. It's God that gives you the power to get wealth. 
It's God that counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. If, if, if I'm able to accomplish anything of eternal value, it's not because of my gifts or my talents. It's not because of my education or my training. It's because God chose to use a broken, foolish, wretched uh, young boy that grew up in a single-parent home and, and, and didn't know anything about Jesus, didn't grow up in a Christian family, didn't, wasn't born into that, but God choose, chose to save me and to teach me and, and to use it. And if I'm not careful after I've gotten used to, well, now the Lord allows me to help along with the leadership of our, our ministry to lead a church of hundreds, and we have a Christian school of hundreds, and if Kevin's not careful, and if our staff, and if churchmen, we're not careful, we start to think, look at what we've done. It's my principles. Well, you got to listen to me. I'm going to start, and again, I'm not against conference. I'm going to start running a conference so I can teach you everything that I, that I, so you can do everything like me. I go to conferences, and that sounds, you could, this could be taken out of context. I think they can be helpful. But we have to be careful. If our agenda, and, have, and we've hosted conferences here, but our agenda wasn't come learn from the model church with the perfect pastor. The agenda was let's get together and edify each other and lift up Jesus. Because it's not about us. It's not about Liberty Baptist Church. And when pride comes, uh, when pride comes, pastors fall, people get hurt, churches split. I heard of one national, what we would call a celebrity pastor. He pastored about a decade ago, a little less than a decade ago, one of the largest churches in America. In the evangelical world, everybody knew his name. And he began to believe that it was based on his actions and his words, I think I can say this, he began to believe that it was his power that led to the incredible international reach of his ministry. Some problems began to arise in his life and his marriage and his leadership and his ministry, and those around him began to encourage him to humble himself and to submit to older, wiser men who would help keep him accountable. And, and, and several of the names that were mentioned in the evangelical world, again, were well-known men that, that are highly respected for their love for God and, and authors and things of that nature. And this younger man, maybe around my age right now at the time, he said this, somebody said, you, you really ought to uh, put some men, there's some things here with your temperament and the way that you're treating God's people and your staff and some, some issues were coming out in those things. You ought to submit yourself to some of these godly men and let them help you. And you know what his response was? I can't submit to that man because my church is bigger than his. I can't listen to any pastor. There's no, that, no pastor whose church is smaller than mine can teach me anything. And I may be paraphrasing, but it was very clearly that message that he got out. I can't learn from anyone with a smaller church than mine. That's foolishness. What does that show that he began to believe it was about him and his mind? And had God used him and had many come to Christ and had God used him in great ways? I believe yes, but it was never about him and it's not about us. God, yes, gave Paul great power, but it had nothing to do with Paul. Hey, Paul, I've been hearing about your amazing works. You're the greatest church planner in the history of the world. Your writings are going to be used of God for millennia. You've done things that no one else has ever done. How do you do? it. How can I be like you? What's your secret? Well, let me send you over to 1 Corinthians, the letter I wrote to the church in Corinth. I, I addressed that fact there in 1 Corinthians chapter number 15, for I am the least of the apostles. It's not about me that I'm not meet to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace, which was bestowed upon me, was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, but the grace of God. God, which was with me. He said, you know what he said? It's not about me. It's about the grace of God in me. 
It's not about us. Man, I, I, nobody gave me a spoiler alert. I was going to get to the end of Acts 28 and be a little disappointed. The, verse, the chapter before was incredible. Starvation, people trying to jump off boats, shipwreck, they're on islands, there's a viper biting his hand, and so much excitement in chapter 27. Chapter 28. And he just sat there in a quiet room telling people of Jesus, preaching the kingdom of God. I don't care how much good you've done, it's not about us. I don't care how successful your business might be, it's not about us. I don't care how many people God has used me, you or me to impact for his glory, it's not about us. The victories we've seen at Liberty, not about us. It's not about the pastor, it's not about the deacon, it's not about the school principal, it's not about the missionary, it's not about the staff member, it's not about the evangelist, it's not about the big church or the small church, it's not about Paul, it's not about Peter, it's not about the disciples, it's not about Luther or Calvin or Wesley or Spurgeon or Moody or Finney, it's not about us, it's all about Jesus. I love the quote attributed to Count Zinzendorf, that bishop of the Moravian church from the 1700s. Here was his take on how important we are and our task. Here's what he said, preach the gospel, die, and be forgotten. Church family, why does Acts end this way? I don't know for sure, but I think one reason is to remind us, it's not about us, it's all about him. So keep preaching Jesus. Well, you say, well, it's not about me. I'm not going to do anything. Oh, no. Paul went out preaching Jesus. He went out helping people. He, he wrote letters, and he visited churches. And, and it, God uses us, but it's not about us. Don't get it confused. Well, if it's not about me, then I don't need to do anything. Oh, no. God wants us to serve him. God wants us to invest our lives in his work. God wants us to spend and be spent for the glory of God. God can use us, and he will use us. But what he doesn't want us to think is that it's about us. So keep preaching Jesus. Keep telling others of Jesus as Paul did, with all confidence fearing no man, as it says in verse 31. Keep lifting up Jesus and keep worshiping Jesus. Keep singing about Jesus. Keep reading about Jesus. Keep striving to live like Jesus. Let's make much of Jesus in the church of Jesus Christ. It's his church. Let's determine not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified, that in all things he might have the preeminence. And as we study church history, and as we seek to be a part of church history, may we never forget, it's not about us. It's all about him. Thank you for listening to Messages from Liberty. Tune in next week for more Bible teaching or subscribe on iTunes to stay up to date with our current series.